In this episode, Rob and Noah get dismissed, we wipe out on dude wipes, and yes, Pirate Queen. Welcome to Fax Machine. everyone. I'm Emily, and I'm here with my co-host Noah. Hello. And Rob. Hey there. And this week, we're sharing facts about girl power, Ooh. or more generally, that the patriarchy needs to be crushed, and the world would be an all-around much better place if it was just run by women. So the three of us will take turns presenting and discussing each other's facts, and then wrap things up with a pub-style trivia quiz loosely inspired by the theme. You guys ready? Sounds good. Heck all yeah. Right. Everybody take a moment. Assume a Megan Rapino stance. All right, Rob, what have you got for us? So this week I learned game shows may have the thickest glass ceiling in America, but wherever you look, one woman breaks through. Ooh. Yeah. So this fact came to me because I am a Jeopardy fan. Uh, I'm unabashed about it, and I recognize the flaws of the game. You're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very popular game show. It, it kind of holds the mantle of being the erudite, educated, like smart man's trivia game on television smart mans is that fairly intentional yeah well, the thing is, i don't know really that much about jeopardy and i know that's weird because like we're all really into trivia and we do this but i don't i don't i've never actually watched jeopardy Ooh. so what is the background Wait, here really yeah this wow earth shattering yeah how did you manage to avoid it like oh, I, I your don't entire know. life i just I used don't have to. a tv just so. beyond during dinner wow <laughs> i used to reserve the tv like in my college dorm lounge every night at seven to be able to watch Jeopardy. Like oh, I was man. very engaged in Jeopardy. Two extremes right here. <laughs> yeah. So just just to, I guess, paint the picture for our non-Jeopardy watching listeners, um, Jeopardy is a game in which there are six categories with five questions each in ascending order. Um, each question is supposed to get harder in the round in that category. Uh, the first round is called the Jeopardy round. The second round is the double Jeopardy round in which the monetary values are doubled. And then there is final Jeopardy in which there's a single question asked three people. They have to write down their answer and wager part of their winnings. And whoever winds up with the most money wins. Um, really interestingly, they just released the uh, earliest episodes onto Netflix. So I've been watching like 1984 uh, era Jeopardy, uh, which <laughs> oh, is totally going to do that. It is campy and fun. But also like if if people are complaining about the misogyny of modern Jeopardy, like 1985 Jeopardy is probably not where you want to go. So I was watching Modern Jeopardy, though, also. And there's a question um, in a category called Founding Mothers. And it was supposed to be, like, the women of the American Revolution. And the question that caught my attention was something about how this woman's husband did a thing and a thing and a thing. And the answer was Patrick Henry. <coughs> and basically, in a category about <laughs> oh women God. of the Revolution, they referred to the woman as her in the question. And the answer was the man. And just adding insult to injury, it was a man with two male names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so I found that like a little bit frustrating. And actually, there were plenty of people online who agreed with me. And so I started to look into like, okay, like, how common is it for Jeopardy to um, kind of malign the idea of feminism just casually in their questions? Um, and there's no better example than a recent, and by recent, I mean, in the last five years, category of Jeopardy called What Women Want. Oh, oh, dear. 
And the cringe, the cringe, I hope, was audible there because Emily knows exactly <laughs> where this is going. Are we wait? So are we, a, are we playing Jeopardy right now? Is this Noah's first ooh, Jeopardy exposure? This 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 could be. I can read Whoa. you some of the questions from this episode. All right, let's do it. So in the category "What Women Want," this is one of the clues you might enjoy. Some help around the house. Would it kill you to get out the Bissell bag canister of one of these every once in a while? Would that be like? What is a um, vacuum cleaner? What is a vacuum cleaner is the answer. Boo. Yeah. I'm too mad to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other other answers. I don't want to get distracted, but what is a Bissell bag? Um, Bissell is a brand of vacuum. Oh. No, yeah. I, I pictured it like in my mind is rhyming with thistle. Like oh. a STL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what the heck is that? But yeah, it is a vacuum. I don't think Bissell actually, they're, they're famous for yeah. the bagless vacuums, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's what you want if you're so busy with the hissle and the bissel of everyday life, yeah. and you just need to find some time to vacuum. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> tolerating me and letting me keep hanging out with you guys. It's been really fun. Um, <laughs> I love that pun, too. I just didn't laugh at it. That's really cute. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. But back to sexist clues. Um so a few other answers from that category. There was uh, there's vacuum cleaners, Pilates classes, and Kraft mac and cheese. Kraft mac and cheese. Kraft mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. So, needless to say, Jeopardy drew a fair amount of flack for this one. Uh, was was not popular. They got soundly basically called out for saying, "Oh, you have really played the gender stereotype pretty hard here." Um, and if you look through Jeopardy clues, there's a real skew to male answers. Um, the answer, when the answer is a person, an incredible amount of the time, like well, well over 75%, it is a male, not a female. Uh, and this is in part, like you said, blame the patriarchy. We kept mm-hmm. track of men much more closely. Men had uh, this role in society where they were documented and they were known um, for many and more years. And they were years. doing the documenting. And doing the documenting, <laughs> exactly. History is written by the victors, as in the men named Victor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's absolutely true. And, like, you may be able to name, like, one or two females from, like, prehistoric civilizations, like, maybe a few each. But, like, we know a lot of the names of the men who were rulers, who were philosophers, who were poets. And so that, that's been carried forward. So in Jeopardy, when you're looking for arcane trivia, it's much more likely to be a male answer. This is true for a lot of game shows. Um, so on one hand, history is to blame for like the trouble of shows being chauvinistic or, or really favoring male answers. But that doesn't excuse Alex Trebek and his chauvinistic comments throughout the show. And so jeez, oh, Trebek. And like and I, I know Alex is sick. And again, I am a fan of the show as an entity. I love Jeopardy. But he has been called out numerous times on on somewhat to very insensitive remarks oh boy i am bracing myself yeah and so so the most <laughs> egregious was when he was talking to a um a sergeant in the military and he said oh that must be hard since you have to give orders all the time implying that it's hard for women to give orders because they're not used to leading things yeah and it was it was like such a quick okay. comment and she kind of laughed at the time and said yeah well i'm good at it and like everyone moved on and then people started to dissect it and say what do you mean by that exactly and if you start to do that, if you start to look at like the little quippy things that Alex says in the interviews that are meant to just kind of be pleasant and move along, a lot of them have this undertone of like, well, isn't it cute that a woman is on this show? Yeah. Um, and it's just really kind of infantilizing and frustrating. But so in a slightly more fun take, I was looking up times where Alex Trebek messed up or did something egregious. And I found this list of 
times Alex Trebek was really rude to contestants. And the good thing about this list is it's not exclusively misogyny, and sometimes it's actually funny. Okay. Um, so my favorite one might be when there are like three like self-proclaimed nerds on the show, and there's a category called football, talking football. <laughs> And they left it to the very end, and they all went over five without guessing in on any of the football clues. <laughs> and each clue, Alex Trebek is taunting them, just saying like, "Oh, what's the matter? Are we scared of football? I know we're all big football fans here." And on the thousand dollar clue, oh he literally goes, "Well, let's just look at it for fun, I guess." <laughs> oh my God. And so I thought, in our little band of nerds, wouldn't it be fun if we were to take a few of the questions from the talking football category? I was going to say, oh, a geez. show with three nerds on it who don't know anything about football <laughs> sounds know, pretty familiar. Just... If only we could find those conditions. <laughs> Uncanny. So to be fair, I found the episode in an online archive, but I have not looked at the questions yet. Okay. So I'm going to try to play along with you. So this is Jeopardy, right? So the questions mm-hmm. are the answers? Yes. So the so clue, that's what the clue will be an answer. You will have to give me the, the question. question. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So for $200 in talking football... Your choice. Do or don't name this play in which the quarterback runs the ball and can choose to pitch it to another back. Well, is that an option? Yeah, that would sound right. Let's check the answer. Option play. Triple stumper. (laughs) Triple stumper. To which Alex says, I can tell you guys are big football fans. (laughs) Next question. Tom Landry perfected the shotgun formation with this team. Uh, the Cowboys? I think so, yeah. What? Oh, way to go. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, triple yeah. stumper. Alex says, do you think we should go to commercial? jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, $600. <laughs> By signaling for one of these, a returner can reel in a kick without fear of getting tackled. Oh, I forget the name for it. It's uh, just like free catch or something like that. What is, um, I think it is a free. Oh, it's, it's fair catch. Fair catch. That's yeah. what it is. And fair catch. What is fair catch? Triple stumper. Alex goes, all right, two clues left. (laughs) For $800, these penalties are simultaneous violations by the offense and defense that cancel each other out. I guess offsetting penalties. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is just like the definitions of words. I was expecting trivia. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Offsetting penalties. Alex. And they're called offsetting penalties. Let's look at the $1,000 clue just for the fun of it. (laughs) (laughs) And for $1,000, Jimmy of the Clue Crew says... As Minneapolis's U.S. Bank Stadium prepares to host Super Bowl 52, and this is like right before the Super Bowl, I'm looking at the Ring of Honor with names from this defensive line that took the Vikings to the to four Super Bowls. And so this is a nickname of the Vikings defensive line. No idea. Um, and so I don't remember it either, but it's probably something like the Dirty Dozen or like the, <laughs> the Mean Machine or... How could there be... Oh. The dozen part doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. That, it's that not so many people in the field, right? If, you, if there are 12, then you get a penalty. Yeah, that's right. So they, <laughs> um, they, so were, they were not good. They were so bad they got that nickname. <laughs> um, oh, but they, they were the purple people eaters. Oh. Yes. Um, and Impressive considering they are one-eyed, one-horned, and flying at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but so, and that, that's a tough one. I did not know that. Uh, and I consider myself like good enough at sports trivia to go to trivia nights at bars. Um, but like... That's a requirement? (laughs) Oh, my God. You're supposed to know something. Um, But so Alex says, if you guys ring in and get this one, I will die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So they were trying really hard at that point, probably. I think they really wanted to prove him wrong. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was was a nice little (laughs) fail on the sports side. Um, The other one that was really good is there was a woman on the show who said that she was a nerd rapper which is a genre of rap that her and her friends, they say, created, where they make nerdy raps together. 
And so Alex goes, oh, you mean losers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty, um, pretty I righteous. I seem burn. to remember us doing a live show, you know, a couple months ago where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rob <laughs> did a rap of the 16 last elements in the periodic table. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose yeah. that puts me in the company of nerd rappers everywhere. <laughs> Damn it, Trebek. <laughs> but so, I guess, having established that um, there's a skew in the questions, and even in the hosting of game shows, um, the question then becomes, do women succeed in shows like Jeopardy more or less than men? Um, and so the answer to that is that median numbers are, are pretty much the same. Like, the, an average woman will score about the same as an average man on shows like Jeopardy. Um, but if you look at the top 10 all-time Jeopardy champions, um, and one thing I'll say about this is that until the uh, late 2000, or like in the, the early 2000s, I guess, until the early 2000s, there was a five-game maximum. So you could only win five games in a row and then go to tournaments for championships. Um, so basically, not many people from before 2000 are going to be on the top 10 list. Um, nine of the top 10 winners are men. And the highest ranking woman is actually fourth on the list, uh, but she is the only woman in the top 10 on Jeopardy. And so that woman who won almost half a million dollars, Julia Collins, the highest uh, scoring Jeopardy finalist ever at almost half a million dollars uh, for a woman and number four all time. She had a 20 game streak, which is like the third longest streak ever recently surpassed wow. uh, by that James, um, James, that guy. <laughs> right. And I think his streak was also ended by a woman, right? A graduate yeah. student? Yes, yes, it was. It was a lib- yes. uh, I think it was like a li- library sciences yes. graduate student who won. Who... I remember reading about it and being like, she checks off so many boxes. Awesome. Just awesomeness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was, she was a, um, she wrote her master's thesis on, on Jeopardy. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. is very cool. It was Gets that, even better. It was a super awesome win. <laughs> it's weird that I know that about her, but I don't know anything about Jeopardy. <laughs> like I know, I know about her master's thesis on the Jeopardy sort of like how to <laughs> like game their system to get the most amount of money, but I don't know anything about the game, you, any of the rounds. <laughs> you retain the salient details. It's okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I, Ken Jennings, the all-time winning man. I remember his streak was ended by a woman too. Um, and he, he got a question. I remember watching it so distinctly. He, he got a question wrong that was like, what company doubles their workforce one day of the year? And he put like FedEx thinking it was like Christmas deliveries, mm. but it was like H&R Block for tax day. Oh. And Whoa. so so yeah. the woman, and I, I really, I should have looked it up. I forget her name. She put down H&R Block and she got it right, but she was like 60, like, like some insane amount of money behind Ken. And so she was like, oh, well, whatever I lost. And then like Ken got it wrong. And they pan to her, and she has this just startled look on her face. Like, well, what? <laughs> what have Ooh, I done? Me? Oh, man. I do and feel like... And ended his 76-game winning streak, which is so ridiculous. Oh I feel like with all the, these men who have done really well on like Jeopardy and had these really long streaks only to be beaten eventually by women, it's like that scene in Lord of the Rings where it's like, no man can defeat me. I am no man. <laughs> and then yeah. they stabbed Ken Jennings right in the face. <laughs> I love, too, the part of her character is that she just made horrible stews. It's like, she doesn't need to make good, a good stew, you know? <laughs> oh, that's, that is a pretty major part of her character. Yeah. <laughs> and her character's just like, oh, it's it's great. Yeah. yeah. See, now we're more in our wheelhouse. Yeah, moving away from football and talking about, about football ever again. obscure Lord of the Rings. Uh, one other thing that I thought was interesting when I was a kid, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? was a huge show. The contestants were more male than female, as I remember watching it. But yeah. I think they tried to have parody in the buzzer round, but then they also they always asked for like sorting questions to get the contestants to play, and a lot of those questions they think had a gender bias that favored men. 
in order to like basically compete your way out of the ring into the chair. Um, and if you're not familiar with the show, there's like a ring on the outside where you have to answer a question to like win your spot in the who wants hmm. to be a millionaire yeah. chair, and then you answer the questions. I'm not familiar with this show either. Oh, so I, don't many... know how I, I don't know how I started doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so finally on this topic, I wanted to just bring up other examples of misogyny in game shows. Okay. Because I thought it would be fun. And I wanted to start with... See your eyebrows dancing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good. Um, there's a TV show on Fox that was called Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire? And so it was Isn't like... Isn't that just like The Bachelorette or The Bachelor? Isn't that sort of the plot of those shows? So the beautiful thing is this... I mean, it's implied. Yeah. <laughs> this predates The Bachelor. It was like the first like... There has always been The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing, Rob. It's timeless. <laughs> it was... It was 12 women who were trying to marry this rich man, and they were all just fawning over him. Um, and it was a huge outcry at the time, like, this is gross, and, like, people putting themselves on display and doing dumb things. And then apparently the kicker was he wasn't really a millionaire. Was it Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> this week, I learned about Grace O'Malley, pirate queen. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so Grace O'Malley was Irish. Uh, she was born in 1530 in in West Ireland. Um, so this at this time, Henry VIII was the king of England. Um, so Noted her- feminist leader, Henry oh, yeah. VIII. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the Tudors were not great. Um, but he also held the title Lord of Ireland, um, just as a result of the Tudor conquest of Ireland that was ongoing. Um, and so, basically, at the time she was born... Irish lords were sort of generally left alone and given a fair amount of autonomy. Um, but this had changed over the course of the English conquest of Ireland um, with their rule becoming more and more draconian. So her father, Owen, was the lord of the O'Malley dynasty. Um, and this is a very famous seafaring family. Um, they are just, they're notable for building a lot of forts just on the western coast of Ireland. Um, there's a lot of like these coves where their ships can hide and then jump out and like raid passing trading ships and stuff. So they did that a lot as well as to go up and down the coast um, defending their territory um, and just sort of like exerting total dominance over the waves. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So when Owen died... Grace was his only legitimate heir. Grace actually had a half-brother um, who, by the way, was named Donald of the Pipes. <laughs> and as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, Donald boy, the pipes, the pipes. Sorry. Yeah, you get it. Um, and so basically Irish law at the time dictated that inheritance went to male heirs first, but something just about the fact that this was like her half brother wasn't a legitimate heir um, meant that she was able to inherit the property and estate of her father. And so this was like a pretty cool thing. And this put her in a, a really unique position for the era. So now she's the chieftain of the O'Malley's and basically starts to consider world domination. So she figures step one, um, Marry to establish a political alliance. So she marries a chieftain named Donald of the Battle, which is a much better Donald, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, much honestly, cooler name. Of the two. Oh, mm-hmm. Donald boy. <laughs> the battle, the battle is calling. Yes, calling you. <laughs> um, and with this Donald, uh, she has three sons, one of whom was killed by um, the brother of the English governor of Cunnet, who uh, the governor's name was Richard Bingham. And this is going to come up a lot more later. Um, so. Battle Donald then dies, and Grace gets a significant chunk of his estate, too. So she is, again, in control of her own sort of, like, property, estate, and fighting force, um, and now basically has the land and 
like property from two different men, both her father and her the person she was first married to. So then she makes another political alliance via what is apparently um, a deliberately temporary marriage. The quote was, for one year certain. Um, and at the end of this time... <laughs> She breaks up with him by taking over his castle and sending him a message, quote, I dismiss you. <laughs> and so oh, she, she, by this point, has amassed so much power <laughs> that he remains her ally because she, I guess he can't really afford to piss her off. Um, so sure. she's just like, I have taken this castle. You can go. Um, it's like, yeah, cool. No problem. Um, That's so badass. Yeah. <laughs> Until that, when, until when you're certain, do you part? That should be like <laughs> that should be like a built-in Tinder message. <laughs> I, I dismiss you. <laughs> <laughs> Just a button you press. So with this castle she had gained, as well as all the um, stuff she had before, basically she just continued to build wealth uh, through piracy and also legitimate trade with mostly France and Spain. Um, basically, she could launch out her ships and board any ships that passed uh, through the mouth of the bay that her sort of air- land was centered on. And then she could like demand levies in return for, you know, passage to nearby Galway, uh, for example, which is a place that people were heading a lot. Um, So there are also just tons and tons of stories that have sort of passed into the Irish national, you know, heritage and mythos um, about her basically exploits as the pirate queen. Um, And there's account of uh, a Turkish... Um, ship that was apparently said to have attacked her ship and it was actually one day after she'd given birth to her son Theobald and as the Turks like boarded her ship she jumped out of bed and stormed onto the deck armed with two blunderbusses and (laughs) and then they were they were just like totally astonished by the sight of this like person who had freshly delivered a baby holding two pistols just like wild and shooting everywhere (laughs) and they stopped fighting um, and she yelled quote take this load from unconsecrated hands before firing her weapons and killing them. Um, and so the rest of the Turkish wow. uh, sailors are so just up, like astonished by this that they just like laid down their arms and O'Malley captured their ship. Um, so it's pretty incredible. Why isn't this a movie and why aren't I, I watching know, it right it's incredible. now? <laughs> I would, it's, it's such an interesting story. Um, oh my so, gosh. But her probably one of the most remarkable stories about her. And remember, this is a person who, from the English perspective, is like the the one of the main opponents in sort of the Irish rebellion against English rule. Um, and not to mention that she is also actually a pirate. So like she, she is like the legitimate, you know, ruler of the O'Malley clan in Western Ireland um, is sort of fomenting rebellion uh, for over the course of like 40 years. It was also like raiding trading ships from not only England, but as well as their allies. So her story is actually wrapped up with that of Elizabeth the first. So when Elizabeth the first came to power in 1558, um, Elizabeth wanted to increase sort of the English hold over Ireland. Um, and then as a result of that, there was a lot of friction with the clans like the O'Malley's. And so the O'Malley's were notable for their fierce resistance against um, Elizabeth and the English uh, forces that she had sent there. And by 1574, the English had had enough of getting raided constantly and having their attacks rebuffed. So they sent in you know a bunch of ships and an army of men to attack O'Malley's castle at Rockfleet. But after a couple weeks of siege, she had repelled them into what was described as a humiliating retreat. So nice. this is somebody who not only <laughs> has like like consolidated a huge amount of resources in a way that very few other women at that time in history were able to do and also has been able to like outfox and outmaneuver like the best 
of the English military commanders, all of whom were men. And one of them, who basically is the villain of this Disney movie waiting to happen, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's it's Richard Bingham. Ah. Now... Okay. Richard Bingham uh, was appointed to be the governor of Cunnet uh, in 1584, and Bingham's brother actually killed O'Malley's oldest son uh, while Richard Bingham uh, imprisoned her youngest son. So then he eventually did manage to take over Rockfleet Castle and confiscate all of her lands, you know, herds, and all of her ships as well. And so this was like the lowest it ever got for her. So she does something extraordinary at this point. Someone who is basically an enemy of the English state just sails straight and requests an audience with Elizabeth I. Uh, so they meet and they're both like dressed really finely. They actually have to converse in Latin. Um, they were surrounded by like armed people from Elizabeth's court. And so it's incredibly brave that she's done this, just like walked right into like the jaws of the enemy um, to basically say, look, Richard Bingham is evil. He's like killing all these people. I think in one year he uh, like ordered the execution of like 70 people and was just generally known as someone who sucks. Um, <laughs> and, Richard Bingham didn't really like her very much either, as you can imagine, and said that she was, quote, nurse to all rebellions in the province for this 40 years. So this was like this, you know, leading up for decades is leading up to um, this confrontation between, you know, the leader, uh, one of the you know leaders of the Irish rebellion and then the the English queen. Um, and a lot of this is about her, uh, about Grace's complaints about the governor and the area that she lives so there are a lot of stories about this meeting. Um, one of them is that Grace actually <laughs> brought a dagger with her um, and she claimed was for her own protection, which makes a lot of sense. But a lot of people also thought like she was probably trying to like assassinate Elizabeth the first and like a what? suicide <laughs> attack. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's another story, but I mean, basically Elizabeth, like the, her guards uh, searched Grace and then Grace was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to walk in here without a dagger, obviously. And they're like, okay, whatever. Um, and they have the meeting regardless. Um, there is another story that O'Malley refused to bow, was just doing all these things to show. Uh, I mean, Elizabeth offered her um, a position as a countess to like stop attacking English troops and she turned it down because she said that equals cannot bestow titles on one another and so she is like she is really stepping up to like the most powerful person in this world um, in this part of the world but the kind of amazing thing at the end of all this is that not only did she sail right into England where she was wanted and, you know, ask for an audience with the queen and do all these things like, I'm not going to bow. We are equals. I'm going to not speak your language because, you know, I know Latin. So <laughs> it's, it's, we're going to do this instead. Um, she basically pled the case of the sort of the Western Irish people against Bingham uh, and, highlighted you know all the atrocities that he's committed um and elizabeth after this meeting ordered the release of o'malley's son and the return of her lands in exchange for her help in fighting england's enemies abroad so basically what happened was she was such like a badass fighter uh and like pirate queen um that elizabeth (laughs) was like why are we fighting each other we should be fighting the french Um, and that is essentially the end of w- what we know about Grace O'Malley. But I thought that if if there isn't a movie about her yet, there should at least be a segment on Facts Machine about her because she Absolutely. is a badass yeah. pirate queen. Overdue. That's yeah. awesome. I was really hoping that she was going to go to Richard Bingham's house and <laughs> take a blunderbuss and be like, Bing him out, bing him out, bing him out, bing him out. It's RDL with the barrel in your mouth. And then, <laughs> then do something after that. <laughs> Thank you.
This week I learned that female mice get turned on when male mice cry. (laughs) (laughs) So this lends somewhat of a scientific basis to all those memes you see about male tears. And while it's unclear whether those tears, the mouse tears, can be triggered by male awareness of the patriarchy crumbling around them, I'd like to think it's a possibility. This comes from a 2010 study by a group of researchers at the University of Tokyo um, and was published in the journal Nature. So the authors reported their discovery of a sex pheromone called ESP1, which I think is a pretty appropriate name for a pheromone, since it's basically a form of chemical communication, um, often detectable through Mm. olfactory senses, particularly in mammals, that's meant to initiate or augment certain behaviors. So ESP. So yes, so mice sense pheromones through a nasal organ called the vomeronasal, um, which is where the receptor for ESP1 is located. So the way this works is when a female mouse touches a male mouse or his nest after he's cried out his ESP1 pheromone, (laughs) the receptors in her nose can sense it and then transmit signals to sex-specific regions of the amygdala and hypothalamus that, when activated, get her in the mood. Or, to describe these findings in the sexiest, most scientifically precise way possible... Females exposed to ESP1 showed a three-fold increase in lordosis behavior, a receptive response of female mice, whereby they take on a reflexive posture upon male mounting, allowing successful copulation. So yeah, this is a not-safe-for-work fact. Probably should have warned you guys at the Mm. top of the segment. My apologies. (laughs) To correct what I mentioned earlier, these tears do not arise from patriarchy awareness, but rather male mice crying routinely um, as a measure to keep their eyes from drying out. So they do that, spread these tears and the ESP pheromone they contain around themselves and their nest, females come over, etc. But apart from producing a bunch of headlines that made me cackle uncontrollably, (laughs) this study accomplished some pretty cool stuff and raised some pretty interesting possibilities. So in the paper, the authors provide a clear linear mechanism of how this pheromone exerts its behavioral effect, from its binding to the vomeronasal receptor to chemical transmission of its signal through the neuronal circuitry of the olfactory bulb, which is just the part of your forebrain that processes sensory information from your nose, to activation of the hypothalamus by the signal that occurs in a sexually dimorphic way, um, meaning that only female mice get turned on by the ESP1. But the study did also capture differences in the prevalence of ESP1 in natural versus captive breeding environments. So comparatively, wild mice secrete much more ESP1 than lab mice do, which suggests this pheromone could be used as a tool to increase breeding efficiency in the lab, which can be really helpful to researchers who study mice or work with genetically engineered mouse models, since, as some of us know, it takes a long time to make these models and if we can hurry up the pace of this breeding then you know that could help um but the part of the story that to me is the most interesting actually comes from some subsequent studies that expanded upon uh these initial findings so last year the same group that identified esp1 published two additional discoveries in the same vein one was esp22 a pheromone present in the tears of juvenile mice that actually kills the sex drive of female mice even while adult males are around also crying and spreading their esp1 everywhere presumably because they can't get any females to mate with them and in the journal <laughs> and in the journal current biology uh, the authors announced the discovery of a pheromone in rats called CRP1 that's analogous to and has the same effect as ESP1 does in mice but even cooler, in a phenomenon they've named olfactory eavesdropping, they observe that mice can also detect CRP1, but rather than getting aroused, it triggers a defense circuit in their brain that causes them to stop moving, lower their body temperature and heart rate, and basically do the playing dead behavior that they do around predators. Oh, wow. So rats actually predate mice in the wild, so this makes a lot of sense, but nonetheless, it's pretty surprising, and it's also a novel observation. So because these animals evolved a shared chemosensory organ, the... Vomeronasal, 
Yep. Yes! <laughs> the same pheromone can be received as a let's get it on signal within the same species, but received as an oh shit, man, we gotta go signal <laughs> between different species. And I think that's really weird and cool. So yeah. a takeaway is that while one role of this class of pheromones is as a hilarious meme referencing aphrodisiac, their larger story is actually so much more complex and interesting. These chemicals allow individuals of a species to convey and receive an array of signals that come together like a sensory symphony and ultimately help them to survive in their environment. I mean, honestly, it's kind of beautiful. It almost brings a tear to my eye. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we've arrived at our quiz portion of the episode. So speaking as a woman which I am, for those just tuning in. We may not get equal pay or equal representation in our government or a sense of safety when walking through our own neighborhoods at night, but at least we can feel empowered by some specially made, daintily designed products that feature an array of cotton candy pastel shades and an inexplicably higher price tag. Thanks, Pink Tax. That's right. This week's quiz is all about unnecessarily gendered products, be they masculized or feminized. And I want to say... Researching for this quiz was a truly enlightening experience. Who would have thunk this whole time, across the decades, nay, centuries, spent protesting for equal treatment and opportunities? All we've really wanted was a bespoke, rhinestone-encrusted toilet plunger of one's own. (laughs) (laughs) Is that real? No. Oh, man, I thought you were saying you discovered that in your research. It it could be. I'm sure it's on Etsy. Let's not. (laughs) (laughs) Bespoke. Probably. So... Without further ado, question one. What company rolled out a for her edition of their signature Cristal product in 2012, advertising it with phrases like elegant design just for her and thin barrel to fit a woman's hand? It's got to be like a gun manufacturer, I feel like. Cristal, yeah. Because you said barrel, but but also Cristal, isn't that a... It's a liquor, It's a liquor, yeah. But so I don't understand it's the not barrel. the liquor. Mm, okay. But, yeah. but it is But it is a, gun. a... <laughs> <laughs> one of two not amazing things. Um, um, like, like Smith & Wesson? I am sure that some gun company has had like some promotion where they, you know, <laughs> just made like a pink gun <laughs> and said it was like for her or something stupid. Mm. You know, like, I, I mean, that's the best guess I have. I can't think of anything else that's a barrel. Um... Uh, crude oil, um, barrels, <laughs> barrels of whiskey, barrel of laughter, barrel of laughs. Barrel of monkeys. Barrel of monkeys. <laughs> Is it uh, clear pink monkeys? Um, I think we got to tap out. Yeah, if it's sure. not, if it's not a gun or monkeys, then I really got nothing. Out of options. All right, what is it? So the company's Bic, and the product was their oh. crystal ballpoint pens. Oh, so. <laughs> I, I've never. Like, I didn't know that was called a barrel. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Apparently, but so like their their signature kind of clearish shaft. pens are crystal pens. <laughs> okay. Um, but unsurprisingly, this got a lot of mainstream backlash. And actually, when you search for them now, the first entry in Google is its customer reviews page on Amazon. Um, <laughs> and just to cite a few choice reviews, because I couldn't help myself. I can't find a switch to turn it on, and it didn't come with batteries. This is not the for her product I was expecting <laughs> at all. I was disappointed to find that only one-fifth of the pens I received were pink. Or maybe more. I can't do math. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) A breakthrough in Freudian analysis. Now girls no longer need suffer from pens envy, as they've been given nice pens of their own. (laughs) Oh, man. Chef's Um, kiss to those reviews. All right. 
Question two. <laughs> One down. <laughs> One down. Question two. What feminized product put out by the tech company Eurostar Group, not at all related to the train, apparently, um, in time for Valentine's Day 2012, came in a light shade of pink and included a preloaded, distressingly sexist assortment of lifestyle apps? Hmm. <laughs> it was like the Blackberry or something? Yeah, like a, a, a smartphone. Some sort of smartphone. Yeah, it's a it's a tablet. But this this company I've never heard for them making anything else. They make these their e pad line of tablets. But apparently mm. one oh, of so them. So they make pads. Yeah, not the <laughs> not the kind feminine of pads. pads. <laughs> this is <laughs> they were trying to make feminine pads. <laughs> a useless feminine pad. This, that is what this is. Um, well, you could try using it for that. <laughs> I can tell you most assuredly you cannot. Um, so <laughs> the e pad fem, as it was called. Um, also flopped, unsurprisingly, but I just want to note that the sort of image they supplied with the advertisement shows these various apps that were loaded onto the um, product, including uh, one called Yoga for Women, one called Shopping List, one called Clothing Size Conversion, and the most heinous of all of them, one called Women's Assistant, and the actual icon to go with it is just a scale with a measuring tape wrapped around it. Oh, man. So that's great. Um, Question three. What brand scrapped the man-size, in quotes, version of its product, first introduced in 1956 and marketed as confidently strong, comfortingly soft, last year amid accumulating complaints of sexism. So I, I kind of like the hand soap idea. Like, just something ridiculously, like, by... No, I was going to say bisexual. That's not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Don't gender something, the hand soap, bro. Something... Something very co-ed. Okay. Um, Unisex is what you're looking for. That's exactly the word I wanted. (laughs) That's better. Uh, So what brand... Actually, another hint I can give is that... So the brand and its signature product are one and the same. Like, this brand makes this product, and that's what it's known for. Like, to the point where, like, any iteration of this product is known by the brand. So, like, Band-Aids are Band-Aids. Oh, I wonder if there was... (laughs) Band-Aids are (laughs) Band-Aids. Band-Aids are Band-Aids. They're not Band-Aids. I see. Like that. Oh, yeah. oh, is it Kleenex? Yes! Really? That's right. <laughs> I kind of do remember this now. It's so funny. It was me. like man-sized ones for man-sized hands or something, but it's, <laughs> it's really dumb. It's so good. So yes, they were branding their man-sized tissues as extra large, which is what they were the whole time. <laughs> but honestly, I'm so excited they ever existed because now I have the perfect image to roast sexist trolls <laughs> with online. Oh, you don't like this movie is being remade with an all-female cast? Man-sized Kleenex. (laughs) (laughs) To clean up your male tears, which turn on female mice. (laughs) What's that? You feel threatened by a competent, knowledgeable woman countering your ill-informed argument and revealing the unquestionable mediocrity that your life is yet to confront you with, so you can't form any response more nuanced than insulting her physique? Man-sized Kleenex. (laughs) Okay, question four. Feminine sufferers of xenosilicophobia can find a remedy in chick blank which features a little black dress in the bottle, a carrying case that looks like a purse, and is somehow low-carb. What's the blank? Beer? Yes. Nice. This is We, we did xenosilicophobia, which is the fear of an empty uh, beer, like, glass. beer glass. Yes. Right? Perfect. But yes, so uh, it's Chick Beer, uh, a light American lager. To their credit, the brewer, Chick Beer Company, donates 5% of their profits to women's charities. So, cool. I like that. All right, question five. Which of the following items is not available for sale on dudeproducts.com, an enterprise run by four dudes wow. that once got funded on Shark Tank? 
Okay. Ready for this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude wipes. <laughs> Flushable wipes that are essentially baby wipes, but not baby wipes because you're not a baby. You're a dude. <laughs> okay. Dude deodorant. Available. Dude deodorant. Yeah. I know. They really missed <laughs> an opportunity with that one. <laughs> but yes. Available in masculine sense like Chi Town Night, LA Coast, and problematic sounding Deep South. Sure. <laughs> um, okay. Dude inserts. What? Dude inserts. Then what happens? (laughs) (laughs) Not an action verb. (laughs) To add arch support to your hiking boots so you don't end up with delicate broken lady feet. (laughs) Is this from the website? Or you wrote wrote these? (laughs) That's for you to guess. (laughs) Or dude powder. A talc-free formula offering long-lasting stink protection. (laughs) Wow. So, I, yeah. <laughs> I am between right now. So the first one was, um, the first one was the wipes. Dude wipes. Yeah, the dude wipes. Mm-hmm. The second one was dude odorant. Mm-hmm. The third one, dude inserts. Dude inserts. And the fourth one, dude powder or whatever. Yeah. So the thing is that I think that deodorant is already, I mean, there's already such a clear, like, distinction between like what people sell as women's deodorant and men's deodorant and the branding is so like crazy and extreme yeah that i think they i mean i could see them also having one but i think that wouldn't that wouldn't differentiate them in that particular merchandise category yeah but that means that emily made up <laughs> no she just made... town night la coast oh. and deep south <laughs> that's i true. mean i wouldn't put it past me <laughs> um i don't know what do you think uh, for for whatever reason, dude inserts, like that's Doctor Scholl's essentially. <laughs> Why do you assume Doctor Scholl was a man? <laughs> oh, that's oh well. <laughs> I'll um, see myself out. <laughs> one of the many things I love about Baltimore um, is that uh, in in Baltimore they have something called Mister Trash Wheel, and basically like rivers that flow like sort of these they're they're rivers above north of the city and then in north and northwest and then they flow basically under the city and then they come out at the inner harbor which flows into the chesapeake bay and all this trash gets sort of washed down into storm drains and stuff and goes into this sort of underground river that then goes out in the harbor and what they've done is make a, a it's called mr trash wheel and basically the water current runs it and mm-hmm. there's like sort of a like floating arms that go out uh, on the surface of the water and all the garbage that's like floating down the river gets corralled up. Uh, and then a, the water's current of, of the river going out to the Harbor sort of turns this wheel and that dumps all the garbage into the, into like a bin that's like behind it. Oh, cool. So the wheel is what is, goes over just, you know, uh, turns over with the garbage and dumps it. Um, and there's more than one. And there's also professor trash wheel, uh, who, oh, which is gosh. a woman. And I think, I can't, nice. I think they're married. <laughs> but then I'm not actually I can't remember the lore behind it because there's all these complicated relationships between them. And I think there's even one more. But I think that everybody's just like we should just not have a city government anymore because we should just have <laughs> Professor Trash Wheel be our mayor. Running the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure she'd be hmm. very good at cutting wasteful spending. <laughs> nice. Okay. She's uh, she knows a lot about current affairs. Nice. So, so I'll just point out we failed to answer the question. I was trying to. I was trying to get you her to move off. <laughs> I was trying to slip that by her, but thanks a lot, Rob. So just what do you think? So, I, I'm, so Emily, could you just repeat the answer? Because <laughs> um, we already. Yeah, I'm gonna go with deodorant. What do you think? <sighs> oh, this is tough. Ah, okay, let's do deodorant. Oh, you can choose a different one if you don't think it's that. 
and then I we'll just kind see of, who's right. Okay, let's do that because I kind of like the the insert is speaking to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go with the other right. I'm gonna say inserts. Rob has it. Oh <laughs> no! All right. But truthfully, like, come on. I'm just. I'm not gonna spend any more time in it because we've already lost enough brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dude but- cells. <laughs> brain cells, but for dudes. <laughs> oh, what have I done? Okay. Question six. What girly treat is now thankfully sold in man-sized, protein-packed, eight-ounce cups, so even the guys can get their dose of Streptococcus thermophilus? Oh, um, Activia. Or or probiotic yogurt, yogurt, yeah. Yogurt, yep, exactly. Or, apparently, Brogurt. The burgeoning (laughs) market of Brogurt. Oh, it's a thing. So the brand that I referenced uh, with the eight-ounce cups is called Powerful Yogurt, and it features a bullhead logo and streaks of red lightning on the the (laughs) container, because of course it does. Um, Still no answer on whether probiotics can dissipate toxic masculinity, but maybe we need more, more people to eat it, and we'll find out. Okay, question seven. Iterations of this product have been ladyfied since the 50s, with special added features like storage space for lipstick and purse, a built-in washing machine and microwave, pink accents and upholstery, and, in quotes, plasma cluster air conditioning that supposedly helps counter brittle, womanly, dry skin. What is this product? Could it be a car? I know that would be insane to have a washer and dryer in a car. In your car, but... But, but I kind of... Something... I mean, if it's not just a house, because she's talking about, like, AC and washer and dryer and stuff. I'm just like, what's big enough to have those things where where you might need to put down a like bag a, somewhere? Like an RV for ladies? Ooh. Ooh, mm. yeah. a herpes. Her- <laughs> <laughs> I stopped right in the middle because I thought it sounded too much like herpes, and I didn't. Oh, know. <laughs> uh, I didn't fill that in. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you? Th- I mean, I I would go with. Ugh. I don't know a car. Yeah, or just vehicle of some kind. Let's go broad and say vehicle. Let's <laughs> see if she asks for more. But could there be a washer dryer in it? That's what's. I don't know. I'm just saying that it would have to be this crazy. It, yeah, I mean, let's let's go with it. Okay. Vehicle. vehicle it's a car yes, oh, yes. <laughs> i'm i'm impressed <laughs> yes oh, i have so, to know what did they what what so this question references a few different cars so in order um the dodge la femme which existed briefly from 1955 to 56 featured the lipstick and purse space uh mm-hmm. so the microwave and washing machine were actually part of a 2000 collaboration between ford and maytag to make a minivan for soccer moms presumably before smartphones were a thing and distracted driving was a concept mm-hmm. um it fortunately was never made thank god uh and where would the water go like there's I, so many questions i have a lot of questions yeah <laughs> really changes the meaning of car wash doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> they could just put the clothes in the wheel well and have it be like a <laughs> spin cycle yeah. <laughs> like it um, and the uh, pink accents and air conditioning, um, that's part of the She's model of the Honda Fit, which was rolled out in 2012, but they stopped making them in 2014. All right. Question eight. What product was recently rebranded as Men's Ultimate Multi-Tool with suggested applications including detailing, cleaning, building? Men's Ultimate Multi-Tool. So multi-tool is like a Swiss Army knife. Right cleaning and detailing like etching detailing i don't know um that could fix the surface of a car but it's something that if it wasn't rebranded this way dudes 
might think wasn't masculine enough to use. Hmm. It's got to be like a nail file. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, you can already get out of prison with that. We know that. It's true. So it's already badass. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just through that association. Lufa. Is it Lufa? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Nail file. <laughs> okay, nail file, Lufa. We're locked in. A nail, right. It's a nail file, Lufa, multi, multi <laughs> Lufa. Tool. There tool. you go. Just latched together. So, all right, get ready for this. Q-tips. Wow. Yeah. And they're still available. So, uh, yeah. So the packaging describes it as Q-tips, men's ultimate multi-tool with uses for detailing, cleaning, and building. Presumably detailing, cleaning your ears and building something in you your build, ear. You can build little models with them. Like, yeah. I guess. I mean, I have definitely built like three-dimensional shaped Q-tips with oh, yeah. children. And totally. You, I, I feel like if you wanted to do a like a model of the um the Wright Brothers, the Wright Flyer. Oh, yeah. Because it oh, has all the sort absolutely. of up and down and across. You can use that. But these are all exclusively manly applications, not to be confused with a very feminine pursuit of oral Self, AU yeah, yeah. hygiene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the branding features all these phrases, also a steel plate design on the outer packaging, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just determined to find these things. But apparently they are out there and they exist, and that's ridiculous to me. They didn't want to go with dude tips? <laughs> <laughs> It's up there with dude inserts. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So that's our quiz. That's for the week. awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to check out more content from us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fax Machine Pod and on Facebook at Fax Machine Podcast. Uh, we also have individual social media accounts. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore EM Costa. Noah. At Arcs and Sciences. And Rob. At Sweater Vest SCI. Fax Machine is produced by Rob Frawley, Noah Guyberson, Emily Costa, and AC Antonelli, with editing by Noah Guyberson. Sound engineering and theme music are by AC Antonelli, and our logo was designed by Mike Zola. That's all for now. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.